It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh Welcome to the latest episode of This Wrestling Life, a podcast, Forbidden Door Edition. That's right. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, and I'll be your host for this very infrequent podcast series. And I am joined, as always, by my wrestling compatriot. He is a 14-time North Jersey intergalactic Hebraic heavyweight champion. Mr. Michael Dworkis, my friend, welcome. We're here talking about the pay-per-view we never thought would happen years ago and pretty much happening uh, like five minutes before the show started, maybe not even happening in general. Um, That's right. We are talking about the AEW New Japan Super Show known as Forbidden Door. So, Mike, let's, let's start out with the build of Forbidden Door. This show... Seemed snake bitten from the jump. Injury after injury, CM Punk pulls out. Brian Danielson pulls out. Tomohiro Ishii, um, uh, Hiromu, uh, no Red Dragon, no Kenny Omega, a lot, no Naito, no Wabushi, no 95% of the Bullet Club. (laughs) There's a lot of people who were not on this show. And people on the internet, as the internet often does we're like this build sucks this card sucks why would you even watch it now let's start with the first part of this mike the build to the show how did you feel AEW new japan built up to this show perfectly honest i thought it was fine i mean could could it have been better sure they could have added more the build could have started before double or nothing which is probably one of the things that held it back a bit, having this pay-per-view one month after Double or Nothing, and there was a lot of hype to build for that one. There were some elements of Forbidden Door thrown before that pay-per-view, but really the the, the whole promotion uh, was really put together within the four weeks between the two pay-per-views. Um, like I said, could they have done more? Sure, but I think for the time that they had and what they did to build, I was good with it. You can listen to my... Uh joining of the Tony Khan media call and you'll find out that certain people can particularly Kazuchika Okada was not available to AEW until the week of the show so there was no way for them to build much with with Okada um, until like less than a week before the show Uh, Mike now another thing people were complaining about was the lack of build for the new Japan talent, the lack of introduction of who these guys were. Now you and I have been watching new Japan for quite some time now. Uh, probably you and I both going back to the old WCW days where we saw Muda and Chono and Hase and Sasaki and uh, a little guy known as big van Vader show up in WCW on the regular um, did you feel that AEW maybe dropped the ball a little bit by not giving some sort of background 
on these talents within within dynamite across dark and elevation and try and get people invested into who the who were involved in these matches yeah they could have done a little bit more and i'll actually say to credit to excalibur's credit on dynamite and uh and actually even taz on, on rampage uh also i should include chris jericho they did make points to try to get in as much as they could about uh, some of the new Japan wrestlers that were on each show. But yeah, they could have added some more. They could have done some profiles, maybe some uh, promo packages to really highlight who a lot of the uh, wrestlers uh, who were uh, appearing on the show would be. I think they, I think part of it was the knowledge that most, I would say the majority of AEW fans already knew a good chunk of the new Japan wrestlers, but probably not, you know, as big of a roster as you and I know. I mean, people know who Okada is. People know who Kota Ibushi is. People know who Jay White is. But, you know, Himoru Ta- uh, Tanahashi, did everybody know who he, he may be? I mean, look, you and I knew, knew who he was, but not everyone else did. Uh, do people know who Shingo is? You know, it's, it's 50-50. You should. Hmm? You should. They should. Everyone should. That's- but the thing is, it's it's who's heavily featured and who's some of the more prominent names. So, yeah, they probably could have done more to introduce uh, a lot of the other uh, New Japan wrestlers. But then again, when you have someone like, you know, our good old favorite murder grandpa, you know, Minoru Suzuki, everybody knows who that guy is. He comes in and he beats the crap out of everyone. He'll chop the shit out of you. So everyone knows who that he is. We'll get into a little bit of some murder grandpa in a minute. Uh- <laughs> For me, the build was very simple. You didn't have to do much to sell me on this pay-per-view. You're just telling me, oh, we're going to have Okada on your show. And I'm like, all right, cool, I'm in. <laughs> um, it doesn't take, when it comes to pro wrestling, sometimes I think Cody Rhodes had a very, in its, uh, you know, I guess ironic I mentioned Cody Rhodes, uh, is mentioned this. Wrestling feuds don't always have to be Shakespeare. They don't always have to have the these nine month long term builds to be impactful. And I will always point to WrestleMania 17, the one everyone says is the greatest WrestleMania, top to bottom of a card. Do you know how many matches were thrown together the week of that show? Eddie Guerrero and Test, the Hardcore Triple Threat, Jericho and Regal. Those were all day of. Those yeah. were all, or even what was the other one? right to censor versus Taz mm-hmm. in the APA yeah. all the week of days before. So, and guess what? We loved all of them. It's a great WrestleMania. So you don't always need that for me. No, but, absolutely. Now, given the fact we didn't have punk or all the people I talked about, and it seemed like every day someone was going down in AEW and there literally probably are still people going down right now. It, it was reported Adam Cole has a concussion. Um, it was the second one. Um, how, where was your expectations for this show? Like on paper, like months ago when we heard about Forbidden Door, or it feels like months ago, um, I can see we probably were both at a 14 out of 10 like ready to go yeah but how where was your on a scale of one to ten what was your level of expectation for this show Oof, that's a good one where i mean my expectation for the the show i say i i would love to have said you know a 10 but i, w- I was around eight because 
there was there was a lot of unknowns going into the show. I mean, knowing that certain people were bit, you know called injured as the show got closer, but didn't really know what to expect. Was it specifically going to be AEW versus New Japan, or as we ended up seeing on the pay per view, it was a mix of AEW and New Japan uh, on various teams. That was the other thing I I. tend to make my score higher is that it was very uh, much of the style of new Japan where there were a lot of uh, tag team and multi-man matches. That's a new Japan thing. They do a lot of that. They do. It's very true for me. You know, I, I would say maybe my expectations at certain points just were, I think at a seven because I, I like was literally just concerned that, up till the minute on the show stuff was going to fall out like Tanaha um, people, you know, were putting fake reports out to Tanahashi was out. Uh, you know, there was all sorts of stuff out there that, like what was going to happen. But the one thing that I have to add, we'll get into the actual match, but the big mystery and AEW is always good for a who's going to debut. <laughs> Tony Khan has a big yep. announcement in all capital letters. Yep. Who was going to replace Brian Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr. Who were your picks for who that could be? So the, the, there's only two people I could think of, and those two people were the were <clears throat> Johnny Gargano and Claudio Castagnoli. Those are the only two people that could come to mind. Johnny Gargano, who was in Chicago and literally mm-hmm. was posting <laughs> pictures of himself on Instagram and uh, Twitter and Instagram, saying. I'm literally at the Orlando yeah. airport right yeah. now. Um, yep. And I was just like, yeah, but you could still be lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been be- from last week. Yeah. Um, it's the beauty of the internet. I, to me, the, um, the aforementioned Swiss Superman was one of those picks. Johnny Gargano was another one. Uh, for me, I thought if it was going to be in-house, it could be Samoa Joe or Jonathan Gresham or somehow some way it was going to be Shibata if they were going to keep it within, within New Japan's house. Um, so I was kind of right twice. Um, and we'll get into that. So let's get into the actual show because this is where the fun comes in. Because you know what sucks, Mike, is just like we were there was a there was a dark cloud over this, and it just like you're just like, God damn, I just wanted this. We just wanted a good show, and we started off with what a way to inspire people the factory of Aaron solo and QT Marshall versus Hiroki Goto and that just fountain of charisma, Yoshihashi Yoshihashi, who I saw at the MSG show was the only new Japan guy who didn't get a reaction. Um, This was a, this was your bread and butter run it from any you could have put this tag team match from the 60s to now and it would have been the same exact match uh this was certainly a thing that happened uh mike i don't know if you've loved it like or like this or should we just move on from this one but you know the, it, it, it was a good intro because the truth is everyone loves seeing qt marshall get the crap beaten out of him yeah i mean he did do a That's 450 true. at one point which is like i mean that's pretty impressive. It was for him. I mean, him almost, you know, falling on his head, going over the ropes was also, you know, a little yeah. scary moment. Well, yeah, listen, Yoshihashi <laughs> is the headhunter. So I guess that fits. Yeah, sure. Then, then we had a preview of the big boy block for the G1 as uh, 
Nick Camarado, another Jersey native, took on the Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer. Um, this was, you yes. hated this match more than I did. I, I thought this it was just, perfectly it was, okay. I mean, it was okay. Just there were there were a lot. There were just too many cringeworthy moments. It just they but look. I'm not saying it. They tried. They, <laughs> they tried. The they tried. They put the effort in. But just it just it wasn't clicking for me, um, and obviously it seemed more you know Archer was the New Japan rep in that match, but yeah it just I, I actually when they announced this match I had hopes for because you know I'm a Camarado fan I you like are a Camarado guy so I it it was because I was disappointed in the way the match went was probably what you know hurt it for me it just it, just, it didn't flow, but then we got. Uh, I'm going to say, then we got a tag team match with uh, Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus um, uh, some people call them the scumbags. Other people call them just part of a Suzuki goon, El Desperado and uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, um, who did not have any facial hair and somehow looked like 20 years younger. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel this match. Let's see if you agree with me on this. This match set the tone for the night where this would like, it's like, we're going to, we're going to outkick our coverage on this one. And everyone had their working boots on. And this was going to be like transformers more than meets the eye, because I got to tell you, you know, I know Despy and, and Connemaro have been the IWGP junior tag team champions before. I felt like this was going to be squash city. But I felt there was a hell of a lot more drama and psychology to this match than we see in a lot of AEW tag team matches. And there was that one spot where Swerve kicks the soul out of Desperado. He's hanging from the ring and then he decides, I'm just going to stomp him. I think I'm just going to just completely put him into the shadow realm. Um but I think this really made a difference in the night. I think this is the first one. The crowd was just like, let's go. People were on their feet. How'd you feel about this match? Oh yeah, absolutely. That like the, the first two matches, eh, you know, they were tolerable. This, this was the match that got the crowd hyped. I thought, you know, maybe this one should have been the first match of the pre-show to get the crowd going. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, in terms of the psychology and the drama in the ring, uh, definitely wasn't expecting it. And the way they, I thought it was just so impressive the way they were working over Keith Lee, the match and Keith Lee selling all of it. That was the thing. Like we know Keith Lee is the beast and you know, he gets you in the corner. He's beeling you all the way across the ring. We didn't get that. We didn't get it, but we we didn't get one last night, which was okay because it made the match more believable. So I, I was very much impressed with that match and yeah, with swerve, uh, He's killing uh, uh, Desperado. Holy cow. Um, he put definitely everyone had their A game on in that match. Let me ask you this Keith Lee and Swerve were both big signings. In fact, Keith Lee was a huge, this was the huge signing that Tony Thomas talked about to debut in Atlantic City in early February. How do you feel? How do you feel about Keith Lee and AEW so far? I'm happy with him. You know, they're doing the smart thing by not, you know, immediately uh, shooting him up to main event. Because when you do that, you shoot a guy like him straight up to main event. And if he's not champion or he doesn't stay in the main event, then people say, well, that's it. You know, the, the luster is gone. There goes the novelty. 
I think having him where he is right now and teaming with a guy like Swerve is the smart move because it, it keeps it, it like keeps him in the wings. Like, you know that, okay, he's doing this right now. And then one day, then he'll get the push. Then you'll start to see the slow build. And you want that for a guy like Keith Lee. So you don't wear out the novelty because everyone knows what the guy's capable of, but you don't want to, you don't want to waste that within the first year of him being there. You want, if you want him there long-term, you give him the slow build. I think it's also taking into consideration his condition post COVID where he had a heart condition. And I think they're letting him get his legs and his wind. And I feel like he's wrestling more like the independent and mm-hmm. at times NXT Keith Lee. And that's yeah. I, someone mentioned that on Twitter too, uh, that he's, he's wrestling like he used to because when he was on the main roster, outside of that Drew McIntyre match really never didn't click. Didn't it, they Did never it, knew yeah. what, what gear to put him in yeah. and convert. And on the same page swerve, I feel like was a guy just getting his momentum in NXT after kind of being a sideline guy for way too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that he's really could be the guy who benefits the most from people being injured right now where he's going to propel himself up that card. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, we, this is, this is a, a swerve that we could had he lasted maybe another couple months in NXT. Maybe we would have seen this, but we didn't get it in NXT and we're getting it now. I also believe that they're going to fight. We then had a Ricky Starks promo where he almost dropped the MF bomb on, on pay-per-view. Yeah. He caught himself. I do believe Swerve and Keith Lee are going to beat them, and then the Bucks and Swerve and Keith Lee will have that match, which will ultimately, I think, lead to their breakup. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that could be a battle of the belts thing. That could be a nice midsummer feud oh, yeah. until we get to, well, we'll talk about what we get to. <laughs> Mike, also when, I'm, when we're talking about some of these matches with New Japan guys in it, let's uh, keep in mind of who you would like to see back in, in an AEW ring. And for me, I think like as as nice as Kanemaru was, I think Desperado really could fit well mm-hmm. in AEW. Like I think there's some really good matches he could have with like Wheeler Yuta and Desperado, yeah, which absolutely. I'm sure happened at the uh, Super Juniors. Um, I feel like there's a lot of guys he could have nice matches with. Uh, Kanemaru, maybe I haven't seen him much of singles, but Desperado, I feel like could be a real like. If AEW is starting to get thin, they'd be like, can we just borrow this guy for a bit? You know, I think he's he's a keeper, a guy I, I would love to see Desperado in a different role come back. What say you? Yeah, I agree. Keep bringing Desperado a Shingo. I, I, honestly, I felt like Shingo. Oh, we're going to do that match by match. Oh, okay. But yes, I agree. Desperado would definitely be a, somebody who could easily uh, fit into the AEW style. Let's get into the opening match here. Um. Now, I was, were you concerned that like AEW has done so many shows in Chicago over the past year that this crowd would be red hot? Did you have concerns? Yeah, I, I knew the crowd was going to be into it. It's a Chicago crowd. They love AEW. I, 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 I had no concern that uh, they would try to sabotage or anything. I knew that this was, this was a crowd that would have been into it. I wasn't concerned about sabotaging as much as I would be concerned with, are they going to be up for this? Are they going to be alive for this whole show especially given the amount of changes they had like were they really gonna just go you know like the reaction they had in the first match which you thought 
could have easily actually could have easily main evented the show with the reactions <laughs> yes. to that. Of course, this match was uh uh Oh, gosh, I can't even think of which nickname to use. The Wizard, Chris Jericho, <laughs> the Spanish God, Sammy Guevara of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And of course, everyone's favorite murder grandpa, Minoru Suzuki with Ty Conti in their corner, taking on shoot, uh, Shooter Shota Umino, uh, Wheeler Yuta, and Eddie Kingston, who apparently was the reincarnation of the Road Warriors with how that building shook when he came out. Oh man. Wow. Like that, that was the, 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 the eruption. I can't even, it's not a pop. It was an eruption for it that was. man. It's wild to think that Eddie Kingston keeps getting more and more popular. Every time we see him mm. in front of a pay-per-view crowd. Yep. Oh, um, it's beautiful. What were your expectations? Because and I have to ask about expectations for some of these matches. This was just your straight up trios match. Um, I mean, I hadn't seen much shooter stuff, really, to be honest. Um, what was your expectations on a scale of one to ten for me? This was like a six and a half to seven. Yeah, I'd I'd go with the same number. Didn't know what to expect, and same thing. I had not seen much of uh, Shoto Amino either. But given everybody else in the match, I definitely expected a an intense wrestling match or an intense uh, fight. I, you know, what I was expecting, I was expecting kind of what we got at the end of the show. Like, okay, this is going to degenerate into like a huge brawl and like a lot of pure six brawling, and you know, there's going to be shenanigans, and that's how Jericho is going to win. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect was you know, Chris Jericho to take 10 German suplexes to open the match. Yeah. That, that was incredible. I mean, I was going to tell you that, that the, the, the position they gave Wheeler Yuta to do that to Jericho, this, this kid, he's going to be the kid in, in, in a, in probably a year or two, they have given him the, the best spotlight and it's just amazing to see this guy who started out as, you know, like, you know, this little nobody who joined the best friends. He's kind of hanging around. And now he's destroying people. Here's my comparison of who he is. He is Ricky Steamboat in AEW. He's not the flashiest guy, but people love him because one, he comes off as a nice guy. And two, he can wrestle his ass off. And when he needs to, he gets really vicious when he needs to. I just think we haven't seen a baby face like that in a while. Like you have the Brian Danielsons who are like, this is the ultimate professional wrestler. You know, right. Wheeler is not the ultimate professional wrestler. He's really good. But I don't feel like we've had this Ricky Steamboat like baby face. No. Unless I'm missing somebody. No, I, I, I think your comparison's dead on. He's Yuta's bringing something to the ring that we have not seen in generations. And I was, I the the how how much these I guess the the old saying in wrestling is if you can't go on last, you go on first, right? You set the pace. Yeah. Can you? I'm still astounded thinking about how white hot this crowd was for it literally everything they did yeah um i think that someone said this on twitter and i'll get your opinion on this 
is this one of the best appearances we've seen of Minoru Suzuki, you know, outside of that classic he had with Danielson? Hmm. I mean, this, this is definitely up there. I mean, I, I think about his match recently with Samoa Joe. Uh, that was one hell of a match. Um, but in terms of a, like a, a high profile match like this, this is probably one of his best outings. I don't know. I can't, I, it's hard for me to say if it's the best, but I would definitely put it up there. I want to say yes, because I felt like, yes, the, the Samoa Joe match was really good. Marred by a bad ending with yes, Satnam saying, who I think has actually absolved himself mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff yeah. because you, <laughs> you could see this guy could actually leave his feet and is trying Yes. Uh, and then we just got the the advent of the Sanjay Dutt immovable <laughs> pencil. And I do like the fact he just says, I bought a whole new packet of pencils. <laughs> it's just like he's someone just gave him like six cups of coffee. And like, go talk. Um, but regardless, I do think there was there was more of an urgency to um, uh, to Suzuki in this match. And he gave a lot more. He just the thing with Suzuki is with a lot of his matches and I love all of them is he does the same thing. Yes. He does the old man knees. He's like, Oh, I'm old. I'm going to fall over it. And he doesn't, (laughs) he goes for the same, the same moves. The Samoa Joe thing was really just like, let's see, keep chopping the shit out of each other. Mm -hmm. This, I felt he did a lot more. And also he was there with Eddie Kingston who decided let's just um, hurt each other. a lot. Let's just annihilate each other. And, and that and that that eruption when Kingston and Suzuki were facing off against each other, that I mean the crowd just got louder and louder for that. I I, I still I still can't get over the Jericho ten suplexes thing because that guy just need yeah. to do it. He really doesn't mm-hmm. need to do anything. Yeah, he could just sandbag and just be like, nah, <laughs> no, know, Sammy could take it. In fact, Sammy I felt was like the one who did he, the least in this match. Yeah, I was I was going to say he he spent most of the time on the outside. Well, you know what that means. He's he's going to do something <laughs> really stupid on Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Um I, I he's, really hope he's he saving he's saving himself. <laughs> yeah, he's saving himself for 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 Wednesday. But the one guy who I think stood out the most in this match was the guy we knew the least about. That's Shota Umino. What, yeah. what, how, what's your, what was your takeaway at the end of the day? Of course, sh- sh- for people who don't remember, Shooter was the guy who took the pin. There's, um, what do you, you know? Yeah, he got, he took yeah. the Judas effect mm-hmm. really well. Um, what's your thoughts on how he, how he, uh, portrayed him, how he came out after this match? I, th- I think he looked fantastic. You know, t- I talked a you know, minute ago about somebody who, hey, if AEW needs somebody, you know, let's bring him in. I would I would take Umino. I would take him. I would take him. I would I would easily see him in an AEW ring. Put him on dynamite. He's got he's got the fit. There's something about this guy. I had heard a lot of uh, negative things about him. Like he had put on weight. He wasn't moving around as well as he used to. I mean, you know, listen, the last two years have been rough on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I know it's just like, oh, put two Japanese guys together and make them a team, but Shooter and Takeshita would be my tag team oh. champions. I can't believe this guy who was just a joke a few years ago. Yeah. Literally was a punchline for John Moxley. He was dragging his dead body around essentially <laughs> as it just like, this is my son. Uh, 
but essentially this is my wrestling son uh, and my driver came off looking like a million bucks. If I'm, if I'm new Japan, I'm sending Tony Khan a fruit basket to be like, thank you so much. I <laughs> yes. love everything about you. Um, <laughs> do you see shooter? Can you see, okay, let me extrapolate this. Can you see shooter as a, I'm not by next year, not by Russell kingdom. But in a couple of years, could you see him as a top guy just based off that performance? Which is, it's it's a bit of an unfair question, I know. But like, That's all right. it, could you see him it as a could, top guy? Yeah, I could, I could see him working his way up there. You know, could see him in a G1, could see him uh, maybe qualify for some of the, uh, you know, the, some of the titles where, you know, we don't see too often. Uh, like who knows? The Never title, yeah. which, I yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah, maybe that, maybe the open weight championship, the Never, the Never championship. Uh, for the, the IWGP United States Championship, eh, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but give give this kid some time. I think he could. You know what? I won't even say. I don't forget championships. Give him a year or two. He'll be one of those recognizable names that we were talking about earlier on. He'll definitely be. I think he's. I think he's all. You know, God willing. Uh, I think he's a lock for next year's G1 based on if I'm just extrapolating from this performance. I actually do see him as main event guy. He's got the legacy. His dad's the head referee. And I'm not saying nepotism, but I mean, that's right. a, just a great story. Yeah. And if he somehow can maintain that charisma he had in this match, which again, we just know him as the quiet, you know, the quiet guy. He's, he's a quiet kid. He, he's essentially, he's essentially Bernie at weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> he does nothing. <laughs> he's just there. Yeah. He's there for Moxley just to do comedy with he came off looking like a guy who could be a main event dude. If he can keep that going for me, he could be the next, like not exactly, but he could be Tanahashi light. Could like be. he could be a guy yeah. of that ilk where he's just that. And we'll get to Tanahashi later. Cause that was, that's a, that's a choice. Oh, that- <laughs> Cause my God. Um, yeah. well, you know, we, we, I would say before we go on, we, it could be, we may see shooter in a W. Keep in mind what happened later on in the show. Let's talk about that. Let's let's get let's get to that. What so shooter was um, Tony Schiavone as always uh, tries to you know conduct an interview and that's never possible never, ever. Never a good thing. And um, I hope Tony Schiavone does this till he's nine hundred years old because I don't <laughs> want him to ever do an interview correctly ever. Um, it's a great gimmick. Uh, and Chris Jericho. You know, threw a fireball at him. Oh, and we also missed a. We also, I'll go back to this. We did miss a pre-show match. Um, he threw a fireball at him. So, what do you think this means? Uh, I think uh, there, there's definitely a few. I mean, there's a feud brewing. You know, they, they flash back to when uh, Jericho uh, beat up Shooter when he was uh, checking on his dad uh, back. Was it Wrestle Kingdom or what? One of the was uh, they Wrestle they, Kingdom? Yes. Yeah. So they're 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 building the story. They're, they're building something up between the two of them. So it would not be a surprise if at some point uh, we get uh, Jericho versus uh, Umino sometime in the future, either on a dynamite or a super card, or perhaps at uh, uh, the next pay-per-view all out. Well, I have a different, um, I have a different theory for you. Give it to me. What happens if he shows up at blood and guts? Could he influence the Ooh. result of blood and guts. Ooh, we do I, have the Blackpool Comp. He, you know, listen, he could be the international representative of the Blackpool Combat Club. He did 
dude get a fireball in his damn face. Mm-hmm. Why not? You're a wizard, Jericho. Well, yeah, I know. Or, you know, he could be selling it for more than that. But right. here's the other thing is John Moxley does need an opponent. He is the interim champion. I know I skipped ahead, guys. John Moxley does need an opponent. And I really feel running back Chris Jericho and John Moxley for a brief run in the summer could actually be a really good program. What say you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like he, if uh, you know, depending how long Punk is out, Moxley's not going to just. Sue no, the I don't think Punk's yeah. coming back till the end of the year. Yeah, so Moxley's got to have some title defenses there, which I, we've got to have some high profile matches. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, because that right now, if you're looking at all out. I mean, he, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there are other people you could put in there, but, you know, Jericho's a ready-made guy. Um, and it would make sense if you're going to do that to have Shooter and Jericho, and you do have a built-in feud. And by the way, I felt like the crowd, remember they're saying, oh, not enough video packages. The crowd really was into Shooter doing the walls of Jericho. Oh, my God. That, they, that, they to stood To a point where it's like that. they knew the story, you know? Yeah. But we did miss a match, and I apologize. We it's missed okay. um, Max Caster and the Ass Boys and Daddy Ass versus the uh, New Japan uh, LA Dojo squad of Yuya Yamura, Alex Coglin, the DKC, and Kevin Knight. Um, of course, this was kind of just a funny Gaga match where Dan Housen plays. The legit song called Billy Ass and the Ass Boys. This that song he played, I've known about for a long time. It's on YouTube. <laughs> I will send it to you later. Um, it's so funny. So the Ass Boys bail. And um, it's up to Max Caster and Billy Gunn, who is near 60 and is also 12 foot five, both height and width. Uh, what did you think? This match, like, listen, this isn't I mean, a great it, match. But yeah. who from the LA dojo were you impressed with? Um, I'm from the most. I was gonna say Kevin Knight. I think so too. Man. That's. I mean, I was like, DKC. I mean, he got he got squished on Rampage, and even at the pay per view, didn't really see much from him. Umara, okay, you know, de- decent right. stuff. Um, Coughlin, yeah, he he was good. But out of all of them. Kevin Knight, he was the standout. Kevin Knight's got a good future ahead of him, I think. Um, He's a guy, I feel like if New Japan isn't careful, could get snatched by a WWE. Oh, yeah. Let's get into man, oh, man. Man. This tag team match. So we went from just pure, pure chaos in this match, which, by the way, that opening match was a 19-minute match. And my concern was, oh, boy, they're going to come down for this tag team match. Nope. nope. Um, of course, we it was the IWGP and uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions or champ, Tag Team Championship were on the line. The AAA, uh, the AAA Tag Team Championships were not on the line because we know that uh, AAA is not well beloved by New Japan's uh, co-promoting partners, CMLL. And that's why we did not see the Lucha Brothers, Andrade, or Roosh on the show, uh, which I think was a bit of a shame. Yeah, but you know what? They, they did great on Rampage. 
Rampage uh, was, their, was their show. Listen, Lucha Bros versus um, versus Alo, 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 Los Faction <laughs> Incredible, <laughs> I think, will be very good. That, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is FTR, who are the triple with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, uh, taking on the IWGP Tag Team Champions, uh, the United Empire, composed of the great Okan and the man Taz envies the most, Jeff Cobb. <laughs> Uh, taking on Rapungi Vice. Now, apparently, uh, during this match, Dax Harwood leaves the match. Mm-hmm. Yep. For me, I'm just like, wow, what brilliant strategy. It allows Rapungi Vice to, like, really, you know, give this, you know, get over with the crowd. No, he really separated no, he, his yeah. shoulder. Uh, that was a real thing. That was real. Yeah. yeah. So That was, that was a scare. Like, it, I didn't catch exactly I when it happened, it. but... When he rolled to the ring and you saw people rush over to him, it was, oh, wait a minute. And they didn't camera him. They didn't highlight. It was just, hey, let's get him out. And they, the commentary team acknowledged Dax you know, left the ring area. They showed him walking away. And that was the moment I said, oh, there's a problem. And I got, I, dude, I was terrified. I'm thinking, oh, no, is this going to be like, is this going to be the disaster? You know, we're talking about the, you know, people think of the pay-per-views curse and everything. I thought, oh, man, let this not be it. Especially with FTR and how much yeah. street they're on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know about you, but Great Ocon, first time really seeing him do much of anything. Uh, besides saving children from sex offenders, <laughs> of Japan, which yeah. man is a, an icon, think- or just being an absolute, you know, you know, party boy. Um, on his Instagram, which which is a wild follow, if you ever think. Um, I was kind of impressed with Great Ocon. I'm just like, yeah. he's not the flashiest dude, but he's that old school brawler mm-hmm. type. And old school big guy, yep. Teaming him with the almighty Jeff Cobb, a guy I absolutely love. I think it's a really great pairing. What, what about, what do you think? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I am a massive Jeff Cobb fan. I mean, I remember the first it was a couple months ago when he just randomly showed up on a dynamite. I fell off my couch. It's like, what? like just the fact that they put him on TV. Granted, it was like a, it was a one match deal, but holy cow! Like, uh, and so, yeah, putting a guy like uh, Great O'Con, exactly like you said, old school big bruiser, and the two of them together uh, are a fantastic tag team. What I liked about this match was they actually put. It just it wasn't telegraphed that FTR was going to win because I thought Rapungi Vice was going to pull it off, mm-hmm. and apparently there was. A <laughs> they Thanks, Paul Turner. <laughs> I still do wonder if it was. I, they're going to turn this into an angle, and I think they, they should. They that, should. That it was finally get FTR and Rapungi mm-hmm. Vice. So there's a clip online replaying that. Yeah, and you could see. Yeah, he hit the mat, but then when he hit the mat, what everyone saw as the second time, he actually shouted one, but I don't think anyone in the crowd heard it. He shouted one when, again, his hand hit the second time. So then when it seemed like he counted three, it was legitimately a two, but I don't think anybody heard him. He knew what happened. He knew he hit the mat. Well, we'll get to that. But still, it was, yeah. I feel like this was the match. Not the now he's not the person who exceeded the mat the the my expectation. This is the match 
I think I had the lowest bar for our, because I just felt this was FTR was going to steamroll this. Not steamroll, it would still be solid, but they were okay. no no brainer. They're winning, mm-hmm. but the AEW does this. They're like, oh, you think it's a no brainer? We're gonna we're gonna make you work gonna... for it. Oh yeah, I I really love this match. Um, it's not on the level of. I mean, I don't think anything is gonna be on the level of the Briscoes and FTR, but. This was a really good match, and yeah. I, I, I'm very happy this this happened. Um, what about you? How did you? What was your expectation for this match? Yeah, I, I same thing. Knowing that the build for FTR to be going belt collecting was pretty much out there. It was like, all right, this is designed for FTR to take it. With Dax out, I'm thinking, oh man, are they calling it audible? But besides that. My expectation for a good match was was eight or nine because you have three of probably the best teams right now. And exactly like you said before, Rapungi Vice, probably their best performance in AEW that I have seen. And yeah, AEW, they make you question and they make you think, wait a minute, maybe FTR is not winning this. Maybe they're really not going to win the belts. There were there were moments I believed Rapungi Vice would win. They may, and that's something AW does every so often that they make you believe it. They make you believe, hey, what you think is going to happen, <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah, very much the same. Now, here's the question: FTR is essentially they're redoing the Kenny Omega thing. Mm-hmm. I have not heard one person say that yet. That oh, they're just doing the Kenny Omega thing. Or people complaining about that, which is very, very rare. Why is it, do you think, that people are not as angry about, you know, belt collecting FTR than it was Kenny Omega? I think it's because how organically FTR became such a huge hit with, with, I was about to say with the AEW audience, but I'm going to say with the wrestling audience. Everyone knows how great FTR has been as a tag team beginning from their days at NXT. They got shafted when they got called up to the main roster in, in WWE, unfortunately. It, and also they got, they had, they got plagued with injuries. So they didn't really get uh, their fair shake. But then once they came aboard to AEW, even as heels, you could book them as the worst heels imaginable. They were still cheered. So I think the significant difference is that people wanted to see FTR. And, and Dax, he, he, I, I mentioned in, in one of my earlier columns, Dax has to be the 2022 wrestler of the year, not just for what he's done in the ring, but what for he's done outside the ring. His posts online, uh, just the love he has for professional wrestling. I can't, I can't remember the last time I've seen or heard anybody that passionate about the business don't tell and I, th- <laughs> and, I th- and I think that's what it is it's because FTR organically grew with the crowd and that's why no one is complaining that it's the Kenny Omega thing with Kenny Omega it, 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 it was thrown in your face oh yeah he, he guess what we're announcing he's going belt collecting hey guess what he's got a bunch of belts now like it, it it's complete I think the way it developed completely different also, I think there was more of a, uh, for me, there's more of the human aspect of it. Whereas when Dax, I think there was that one promo where the pinnacle was like kind of like starting to fall apart, where he's like, 
I'm doing this for my wife and my yes, daughter and I love absolutely. professional wrestling. And everyone's like, oh man, like I can get behind that. That's pretty yeah. cool. And then like, I really think people, and this was not intentional, but I think when he started opening, much like Eddie Kingston, when he started opening up about mental health issues, yep. people were like, oh man, especially like, I, I just went through it myself. Just like, wow, like I went through this and here's this guy who looks like he could beat the crap out of any human alive he's admitting this like i think a lot of people really got behind that and also he, like yeah. he literally got every bret hart fan of the world to be like oh, you know, oh yeah absolutely our, you're our guy we know adam that... Cole loves sean michael <laughs> but you love bret hart we love you um and that helps, that, yeah. cash wheeler did say uh, on the the post uh, show scrum that he's like yes he does deserve to be wrestler of the year so uh mike <laughs> yes you keeping from this match now do you keep jeff cobb do you keep the great Ocon? do you keep them as a team or do you keep, would you keep Rapungi Vice as a full-time act? Great um, questions. From I the know audience. that's yes, absolutely. Uh, none, but none better. Uh, I, I say, I, you know, what? give me Rapungi Vice. Jeff Cobb all day. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it is close. That's a, that's a close. Yeah, call. it is a close one. Let's go into uh, the four-way for a title whose meaning I still don't understand, which is the All-Atlantic <laughs> Championship, which I'm hoping is just a traveling championship. Um, and it's going to be it's the finals of this tournament, which sees uh, Pack versus Miro versus Malachi Black versus the wild rhino Clark Connors, who looked like Steve Armstrong. That's who we look like. I'm like, holy shit, it's Steve Armstrong. Hmm. Um, he's a wild-eyed Southern boy. And everyone was just like, well, Clark Connors is obviously taking the pin in this match because he was the fill-in for Tomohiro Ishii. He's mm-hmm. also a guy who's a new an LA Dojo guy, for those who don't know. On paper, I think this had, outside of the main events, had the my highest expectation level. What about you? Yeah. I mean, even though not too many people were familiar with Clark Connors, still thought Miro, Pac, Black, they, you knew they were going to deliver. These are three of the best wrestling bruisers you have in AEW right now. But the biggest question, I'm not going to, we're not going to ask this for every match, but this mm-hmm. one was the title final. Who did you have winning the title? I I, I was going for Miro. I was hoping for Same. Miro. Same. I, I'm just like, oh, this is Miro's title. So did this match live up to your expectations? Hundred percent, absolutely. And Clark Connors, you know, shocked the hell out of me. Like at the beginning, he was getting pounced on, and then out of nowhere, he was a house of fire. Holy crap! And Chicago, the crowd, the crowd kept chanting for him. Ever who who doesn't love good old Clark Bar? You know, and then <laughs> they kept trying, they kept trying to make the wild rhino thing happen. I was like, mm-hmm. All right, nope. he looks like the he looks like the crocodile hunter, guys. Uh, but. Man, it's just it's really cool to watch, like much like Shooter, it's cool to see a star born before your eyes. Yep, so it with Wheeler earlier, especially that rampage match where he, yeah, bled you know three gallons of milk's worth of blood. Um, but this match to me, it started very slow, yeah, and it started a little predictably, like, well, okay, here's this, here's that, and then all of a sudden they went from first gear to fifth. Very quickly. I was stunned that Miro did not win that. Yeah. Absolutely stunned. But 
I thought that ending sequence was absolutely phenomenal. And with Pac getting the brutalizer. Yes. In it, and I guess maybe I'm just talking out my ass here, which is, <laughs> but it feels like Pac is a forgotten guy in AEW a lot of the time. I, I hear that I hear because, you know, he, they know he's there, but he hasn't really been featured as often as, you know, Penta or Ray, you know, they, call I know him, he has, right? he has so right. he's had that, he had that in the past, but still, you know, he, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't go as far as say that he's an afterthought, but you know, he'll have his match and then, all right, moving on. Like this, there's, there's nothing, there's, there hasn't been anything to keep him fresh in uh, fans' minds. He'll have a great match, but after that it's, Mm, moving on i feel like yeah you can't there's nothing you could sink your teeth has there has not been things you could sink your teeth into with Pac. you're just like okay he's a great wrestler every time he goes out there it's great and then it's just like yeah he'll be back he'll wrestle like three matches then he's gone then you don't see him for three months and then he's back and then he goes what is your hope with this all atlantic title I mean, if this is the traveling championship, as like you said, a lot of people are hoping for, maybe this means, you know, we'll see Pac defends it on AW television for a while. And then if he is elsewhere, then that means an AW championship is being defended in other promotions. I would really love for them to recap those matches. Yeah. Like on Dark or Elevation or, or, <laughs> or Dynamite or Rampage, wherever AW television is found. Because Ultimately, like I would love for this title to change hands mm-hmm. overseas. Like, yeah, you know, it's like all of a sudden Pox and you know he's he's wrestling in DDT, and he loses it to well, you know, Boxley <laughs> called him out for Eddie, but Joe Nakayama, for example, one of yeah. the, the associates of the Four Pillars, you know, great wrestler, mm-hmm. and then Joe Nakayama comes, and then you build up this guy he comes in, then maybe Eddie Kingston wins the All Atlantic Championship, right. or maybe he goes to Japan to fight him. Like mm-hmm. there's stuff, or you know. Paco's to Mexico when he fights Psycho Clown and like there's like there you know he could lose it there and then Psycho Clown comes to AEW to defend the title against somebody like yeah or loses it within Mexico to Dr. Wagner Jr. You know it would be cool. <laughs> right. like, like you could build the lore of this like much like the WWF light heavyweight t- title mm-hmm. and yeah. titles like it would be really rad. Now, the other question is, because it was a tournament final, and these are some guys who are big names who, like, you know, it's like we're just getting going. It was a bit of a stop start. Where do we think we go with Miro and Malachi post this? I mean, Malachi's, you know, he's going to keep doing his House of Black thing. I mean, for Miro and Black, they're that good. They don't need a championship, a championship helps them, or I should say helps them. A championship is nice to see on people like them, but they're, they're, they're not needed. It's not necessary. Like Miro isn't any less for not having a belt because I mean, we've seen in the, in the past couple of weeks that he, in the short time that he's been back, the cra- every time hit, that siren hits, the crowd loses their minds. My thing is they just both need consistency. And I think yeah. what better way to do consistency than a feud between those yeah. two. I'll I don't know it. who Miro goes with, but think about <laughs> Miro versus not only Malachi, but oh, Brody. Put him like, yeah, Brody. Brody King or yeah. Brody. 
That's mm-hmm. that's some top-notch stuff right there, man. Um, now we get into ba- the batshit bonkers crazy uh, match <laughs> where it was the dudes with attitudes. Dudes. We'll get to that in a minute. The dudes. Versus the Bullet Club. Okay, so the dudes with attitudes are Darby Allen, Sting, and of all people, Shingo Takagi. It was supposed to also be Hiromu, which I think would have fit really well. Yeah, but he was injured. Oh, you know, he had a fever. Fever so make it uh, against the Bullet Club, which was the Young Bucks, El Fantasmo, who you've seen on Impact Wrestling, and Hikaleo, son of Haku, who uh, was in their corner. Uh, so the match starts. And there's no Sting. And I'm like, oh, Christ. Like, did Sting get beaten up? Did they take him out? I I just want to see Sting. Also, fun fact, Sting was on the big WCW New Japan crossover uh, 31 years before. uh, In 1991. So, uh, yeah. He was there. And then we see someone pointing from the rafters about the size of an ant that you assume is Sting. And then you see Sting's silhouette, and this goddamn son of a bitch jumps 62 years old, jumps <laughs> off the goddamn tunnel and takes everybody a, out. Uh, that was a fun moment. Dad Sting. And- By the way, so my nickname, Fun Dad Sting, I came up with that on the mm-hmm. Pop Culture Podcast. My friend Kimmy, who writes for the popbreak.com, told Sting that I call him that. And I called him that after the whole Orange Cassidy thing. And he loved it. And he said he's more like fun grandpa's thing. And I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> this is just, I have to it's... own this now. Um, nice. What is your opinion of Sting becoming New Jack? <laughs> uh, it's a little terrifying, but you know so what? It's, it's, ter- it's terrifying, but I, I, I'm giving him credit. He's doing some crazy stuff. I, I mean, that's, I mean, Tony Schiavone, I mean, it's Sting. It, I mean, it, oh my God, jumping off that, it's Sting crashing on everyone. And, you know, think about all the bumps and the spots he's taken since coming to AEW. Ridiculous. They're unreal that he's doing them. And yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll go full new Jack and start bringing out like staple guns or things like that. But well, if he did. Um, I mean, oh, uh, he did. I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd be dry. If I heard he was doing a weapons <laughs> match or something, I would drive there <laughs> just to see him pull out a staple gun or like a pizza cutter. It'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, I, I got to give Stig credit. He is, I mean, look, we know this is the last run for sure. And he's going all out. He's going all out for you know what stuff i don't think he's ever conceived of doing like did he ever jump off a balcony or a tunnel before he might have done it in, in maybe in TNA. maybe but, but i feel like, like this that is, TNA this is, run is yeah. so like he was it's there forgettable for, yeah it's it forgettable i just kind of hated it yeah it just felt like he was like he's the old guy they're giving the title to and now in, in aw is like he's the old guy who's crazy yeah. <laughs> so, so crazy yeah. staying He's kind of Terry Funk now. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Oh what God. do you think of him also no selling certain things like the double super kick? How he no selled it, did the sting war cry, and then the crowd basically died. They were just like, ah! they basically their souls <laughs> left their body in pure, yeah. like, orgasmic joy. Like, yeah. I couldn't, 
Like it boggles my mind. It, it does. But, you know, I think about the match, like the Bucks, they were act. Everybody was all over the top. The Bucks were acting like goons. Um, Fantasma. Everyone's oh, flipping and jumping. The, the back rakes. It's it. Back the, the, rakes were so I good. mean, the back rakes, back rakes of doom, dude. Back oh. rakes of doom. Those were probably the most painful. Hulk Hogan was like, damn, I never did him that hard. Like, oh, he, barely did he barely did anything hard. But, but um, that was the thing. Like the match, like the fact that he would no sell that because of the hilarity of all six people together, it worked. It worked. I, the only person I felt bad for in this match a little bit was Shingo. Because he's like a serious, he's a serious wrestler. He was, he was the straight man of the entire match. He was I was a little man. disappointed he didn't come out in face paint because apparently he does he the does. New Japan, he the New Japan World commentary for AEW, and he's supposedly like a huge dork on commentary. He's like he loves Wardlow. He oh, just nice. gets really excited about things. <laughs> um, this match is absurd. Um, how excited for you were you being old like me when you heard dudes with attitudes? I, I, it was exciting, but at the same time, it was just shaking my head like, wow, they, they're, they're doing it. Just, okay, we're doing it. We're like, I, yes, I, let's, let's embrace it. Let's do it, man. I threw something in my house out of excitement. <laughs> for people who don't know who this is, so in like 91, when Sting came back mm-hmm. from injury, it was him, JR, uh, Shabani mentioned it. It was yeah. him, Luger, the Steiners, and then we go well, kind of nuts here. Junkyard Dog. <laughs> Well past his prime, <laughs> Paul Orndorff mm-hmm. and El Gigante, aka yeah. Giant yeah. Gonzalez. That's awesome. God bless America. God bless this. <laughs> I want to see Shingo back. Yes. I don't want to see him Sh- in a real wrestling Sh- match. I say, Sh- Sh- if, there, if there's a guy who would come back to AEW to put on a dynamite, there's your guy right there. Shingo right. is the guy. Let's get to the women's world title match, which was Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. The only women's match on the show here, but I like the fact they included this. This yeah, was a really, absolutely. really good match. Um, you know, Thunder Rosa's had like you know, there's been some backstage stuff with her, sandbagging accusations, not being happy with where the they are. I thought they really, this was the right opponent for her because mm-hmm. Tony Storm, she doesn't back down from oh, anybody. No. Oh no. And her husband was there too. <laughs> My favorite joke of the night: Rock Hard Juice Robinson. What's Rock Hard Juice Ice? Okay, and I was like, oh, Jim Ross. That was really, really funny. Uh, that was a yeah. I was I was proud. What did you think of this match? And 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 also, what's what's been your overall thoughts on Thunder Rosa's uh, Thunder Rosa's uh, run as the world champion since she uh, took it from Britt Baker on St. Patrick's Day Slam? So. First thing, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good match, and also the match did not feel like a drag. Like I was worried that because it was pay per view, they were going to do a long match. You know what? The match was about ten minutes. About yeah, I think it was like nine ten, 10 minutes. 40, yeah, and that was the, that was a solid length. Both of them got to shine. Each of them had their moments of offense, moments of defense. But the closing sequence of that match that yeah. was very well done. And yeah, I get exactly like you said. Tony Storm, I, I'm gonna say she was the MVP of that match. Thunder Rose is great, but Tony Storm was the MVP. I kind of the only thing that took away from from me was I knew Thunder Rosa was gonna win because she's going to stardom and she's mm-hmm. gonna defend right. the, no uh, sorry Tokyo Joshi Pro and she's gonna defend yeah. the title at their 
Princess of Summer, I want to say, yeah. show, which looks bonkers. Uh, Willow Nightingale's on the show. I'm big fan nice. of that. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Ty Valkyrie just called her out at one of the many triple A's. I think the mm-hmm. Tijuana triple so, A. Yeah, we could see him again. That would be that's gonna That'd be, be a great match. That's just gonna be two people knocking the yes. shit out of each other. And I am so here for that. Yeah, but that's just saying. So that that's part of the answer to your other question is you know, Thunder Rose's reign. She's got that versatility that now, yeah, she's gonna jump to other promotions. I mean, like Britt Baker could have Dr. Britt Baker could have done the same thing, but I think Thunder Rosa has more of that international appeal. And I think the run, it's gonna be she's gonna have her run. Regardless whether she if she decides to turn heel or whatever, I don't I don't really see that happening. But now, okay, Dr. Britt Baker, she was top heel. Who's gonna be the next, whether it's a face or heel, who's gonna be the next top female in AEW? Because the one who just because the one who dethrones Thunder Rosa, that's that's gonna be the the next one to watch because that's gonna be the oh shit moment. Somebody, you know, somebody, and I hope it's someone unexpected. Like Sasha Banks. Yeah. It could be. We don't it know. It could be. It, it could be. I don't think it, I don't think it will be. But uh, no, no, no. Yeah, so who would I, you I, want? I, so who would you want it to be? Because there's two names that pop out, and both I think are kind of tied together. For me, it's mm-hmm. the one you don't like. You're not a Jade Cargill person. I, I, I feel like I'm, maybe, tr- I'm trying. I, I'm I trying. don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's this year for her. She will be the champion. But Statlander is yep. the one. That's the me. one. Unless someone comes in, I don't think there's anyone out there right now. The only person I see them signing with name value right now in the women's division is Candice LeRae. Because mm-hmm. mm. I know they're pushing for her to go in there. Um, but man, Chris Statlander winning it, I think she'd be great. I think she really, really would be great. And- and the, and that's that's the, I think also the long game because there have been a lot of teases. She's had a couple big matches, fell short, and if I also remember correctly, the title matches she's had, she didn't come out on top because of interference. She I did not. So. Yeah. She did not lose clean. So there's the draw right there. So her winning the title, regardless who it's against. I, th- I mean, if it's against Rosa, I think it would be a fantastic, it'll be a fantastic match, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. And man, would that crowd pop. I think they would. People love her. And uh, the other person I want to see in that division really start to break away and break out is Jamie Hayter. Like, mm-hmm. right? she, we could she could do it. Let's yeah. move on to when Jim Ross decides to show up <laughs> and apparently have the yeah. time of his life. Oh, uh, my God. Because this next match, Whole and to quote Ooh. Jim Carrey from 1994, Holy Testicle Tuesday. This was a match, and it was Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy. Mike, I we're both Orange Cassidy guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were a lot, there was a lot of hatred about this yeah. match that Orange Cassidy was even involved in this match, let alone and let, this pay-per-view, let alone this match. Right. Um but it shows how quickly people forgot the great matches he's had in the past couple of years. My, that question, should... my question is this. Was that time away, how beneficial do you think that was for the entire, the Orange Cassidy character? Not him physically. I mean, he mm-hmm. really beat it to yeah. evil. Yeah. Uh, but how much did that benefit, do you think? I, I think that was part of it. Like, because we had not seen him in some time and for him to come back 
yeah, gimmick in hand, and then bust out what probably one of the best matches he's had in AEW. I think that helped. I think it, it you know, whether someone's injured or not, time away, you know, keeps things fresh. It's like, oh, you don't see a guy for a while, and then he comes back. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy's awesome. And then you get you get a reboot, you get a restart. I think he needed he needed that sign. Besides the heel, I think he had run his course. I think he had gotten a little stale uh, because they had put him in some feuds that took a long time to get through, like the, uh, the Matt Hardy feud. Yes, uh, the Adam Cole like the ending to that match wasn't great. It didn't make a lot of sense. Right. But I feel like Orange kind of was just like so many people came in and he was just like the guy who's always been there that time away. But that time away, not just was we appreciated him more. This was still just an absolutely, I'll say it, match of the night. Put it in consideration for match of the year. That's how great this match was. And a lot of people hate Osprey, and there are some very good reasons not to like him. Um, but holy shit, I think this was one of his best matches mm-hmm. in a long time as well. And uh, who knew Jim Ross was such a Will Ospreay fan? <laughs> I could love. I think he was going to adopt him at one point, uh, which is fine. Like, listen, yeah, hey, sure. you know, power to him. But bring, uh, him to, bring him to Oklahoma. Go, go for it. Were you shocked at how good this match was? Like, I had high expectations for this match. I was not I, expecting that. I yeah, I, I knew this was going to be a good match. The I, I did not expect it to be an astounding match as it was. It was un like. I can't so many you. moments, like you know. So I, I, I want to get into one thing. So prior to when the match was first announced, you know, it was Osprey casting. I'm thinking, oh my god, this is gonna be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I do, I do want to point out the one thing that, like, I can't give a ten out of ten. I'm giving this. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. There's a reason, and I and I, to, I to, told you the reason yesterday. I forgot already. Because, oh, okay, <laughs> so the one reason was that. Once they said that a title was on the line, I went, oh, okay. Title, Osprey being the IWGP United States champion, uh, United States champion, defending the title against Cassidy. Okay, that told me, well, I know Cassidy's not winning. That was, the one, that was the one thing that hurt me, that hurt it. But I will tell you, there were points during the match I forgot because there were points I believed, oh, my God. Cassidy's going to win. I thought he could win it because I'm just like, okay, they're going to, because everything's coming back to new Japan right now. So I'm like, okay, they're going to move Osprey away from this title. And I could see the orange juice match, orange Cassidy juice Robinson. It makes sense because juice <laughs> is a mid card guy right now. I think mm-hmm. juice is going to go up from the here, but, and juice should be, I mean, if there's a guy who should be on AEW television every week, it's juice Robinson. Yeah. That guy is like yeah. this new persona is like i thought it was gonna be real bad but because i'm like oh it's aces and eights juice robinson and i'm like he's awesome i'm just like yeah this he should be he there's the guy you keep from for aw but i thought he could win for sure and i feel like that's he's synonymous and i've said this before with you when he fought jericho for the first time that's the beautiful thing about aw they make you forget everything you've watched over the last 30 years about wrestling. Yep. It's like, there's no way Orange Cassidy is going to be Chris Jericho the first time, but he makes you believe that he does. He could. Yeah. Cause he tried. They make, it, they make you believe. Makes you believe. And then we had the moment I was, I, you know, I kind of forgot 
about just a guy named Katsuyo Shibata comes out to um, help his new buddy, Lawrence yeah. <laughs> Cassidy. Yeah. I was I I don't think anyone was real. I think we were so caught up with the match. I don't know. I was not expecting. People are like, oh, of course Shibata was going to be there. I'm like, really? Did you really? I, I wasn't expecting that. No, it wasn't even on the radar. But did did Shibata returning mean? Because I didn't see a lot of Shibata matches. Unfortunately, I only saw clips of his you know fortunate last mm-hmm. match with Okada. Yep. So did that. But for you, I feel like you've seen more Shibata than me. I've I've seen his matches, and again. No, you know, because he's been out for so long and I didn't even think that a Shibata appearance was, was he even in, in the same universe for this? I, it just, it, I don't know why it just never crossed my mind. And then to hear and see, and see him come down to the ring. It's like, that was, that was the moment where I just went, okay, we're in new territory. Like something about that felt so different, so unique. And it's it's that that's the best I could put it into words. There's something about that moment to see Shabbat on on an A. I mean, yes, AW New Japan, but to see him there, that match with Cassidy, that there was something uniquely special about it. It was also remember Shibata, like he's never been at the big U.S. shows. He wasn't at no. the Garden. No, like so. There's a lot of stuff where like he never got to actively compete in the U.S. Right. in front of that many people so mm-hmm. i think that even made it cooler before we get into our like final three let's take a minute to talk about the commentary for the show oh yes this was the best commentary the best had. i feel like kevin kelly was auditioning a lot of people said <laughs> he was just like hey when jim ross is gone don't holler at <laughs> like, you know i thought i actually really love the excalibur kelly taz unit I thought was the best unit of all of them. I did like Caprice, especially when he's like, Hey, Kevin, we get to see each other again. Um, nice Jim Ross, I thought Tony Schiavone was, he was perfectly fine. I don't yeah. think he, he did good for what he needed to do. And I thought Jim Ross, a lot of people were like, Oh, Jim Ross sucks. Uh, I thought this was some of his best stuff because it, it he was. was a fan of, he was in for the guys he likes, mm-hmm. you know, he was in for Osprey, Claudio, uh, Tanahashi Nokata, who he said are the greatest wrestlers he's ever seen. So it's like, I thought he was really good. Can you see Kevin Kelly being a full time AEW guy? You know, it's it's possible. I mean, it, it's, he is the voice. It's, Japan, he, he is the voice. That's the thing. Like he, be, but you know, the thing is, you know, thinking about the regular team, you know, you could have Excalibur, Taz, you know, and, and even like you know, with Shivani or Jericho, they, they all rotate around. The knowledge they all bring to commentary. And Kevin Kelly is, is very, he's very uh, like-minded. It's, be, it's because when there's commentary, it doesn't take away from the match. It adds to the match. Does. And, it, and the thing, and that, that's why, you know, may, maybe not even full-time, but you know what? Put Kevin Kelly on a couple times. Have him have him as a you know guest commentator on, on Dynamite once in a while. I I think it would be a great fit. And the the common denominator, regardless of the combination, everyone behind that desk, you could hear it in their voices. Yeah. They truly enjoyed. They were loving every moment of their jobs last night. They, they were loved they were it as they were as much commentators as they were fans too. Absolutely, like Jim Ross 100%. especially. I felt like Jim, more of a fan 
like I was where he was like, this is a shit I like, essentially. <laughs> yeah, like at he, one point. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Jim Ross, he's he's been very happy. You could hear he enjoys himself in AEW, but man, he's he sounded so happy last night. Taz yeah. was just, I mean, Taz, he's got the goofiest commentary and he embraces it. Yeah, he but does. it were everything about it clicked. It all clicked last night. It really did. Speaking of clicking, so Zack Sabre Jr. comes out. <laughs> Everyone's favorite British guy. What a dick, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody loves a, a you know a ZSJ. Yeah, and then uh, Claudio comes out, and kind of everyone figured it was going to be him. And if it wasn't, they were going to be. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I love the fact that his music played. The camera erupts oh, and they wow. hold on the crowd. Yep. Just to give you that extra second of, oh, you don't know who it is because like, just no one knows who the, whose music that is. Right. And you, ter- I mean, I could assume it was not Johnny Gargano. It doesn't fit his character, but right. when they turned and it was Claudio, how surprised were you that it was him? Because a lot of people assumed he was just going to go back to WWE because he had a kid. That's yeah. one of the reasons he left because he, like Gargano, he had a kid. Yeah. And he supposedly is really good with his money. So he took time off. Did you assume he was just going back to WWE because he had not signed anywhere? Or we hadn't heard anything about him. Um, you know, that's these days I couldn't assume anything. I I, I really didn't. I'm a jerk, and I did assume it. And I, I'm like, oh, he's probably going to go back because I figured he would sign. We would have heard something by now, right? Right. Yeah. But we were. I was wrong. What a shock! <laughs> uh, and Claudio Castagnoli <laughs> is back. Yeah. And. I thought he was going to win this match in five seconds. I mean, they, they, I mean, he blasted uh, Sabre Jr. within moments, and holy cow, really. I mean, if it was a squash, I still think the crowd would have lost their minds. Oh, they would have, but, sure. But it would have been like, you squash Zack Sabre Jr.? Yeah, I know. I mean, what? It was like, why would else? you do that? Like, why? Why would Listen, you do if that? It was like, if it was like Tai Chi, I mean, like, okay, or, sure. or, or <laughs> it would have been great if it was Takamichinoku, but I mean, like... <laughs> I it would uh, it's yeah. this match was really really good it was and great. I think it reminded people of like oh hey remember how good this guy is yeah, he's really good yeah uh, absolutely I mean and I think that the, the, the we were saying before about you know we hadn't heard that he was going back to WA nobody really was really sure but there was always a talk man man imagine him in yeah. AEW and I think you know his his late run in WWE people generally felt bad because yeah. he would get his push uh and then he slid back down oh let's run, let's 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 push him again oh yeah there were, there were a couple times it was like he was just about title you know main the title Cesaro section come on yeah he was i mean there. every he he was the guy and they're like no 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 we're not gonna push him. well we'll just put him back down we'll tag him with some people and it and i think people generally felt that this was going to be him in WWE. This was Cesaro of WWE. You know, always the hope that he would get that, you know, that big final push. But he was relegated to the guy. Like, yeah, everybody loves seeing him wrestle. They love seeing him swing people all over the place. Yeah. But that's, but that was it. But that was it. W said, well, that's all we need him to do. We don't need him to do anything else. I'll say it. um, I don't remember what the hell his tag team with Hager was, but that was the best thing Hager ever did. Mm -hmm. Ever. Yeah. Uh, and his the bar I thought was a great the tag. The bar team. was a great tag team. They were I, awesome. I mean, they yeah. and they put effort into that team with the matching outfits and doing they everything. Did. 
Um, and Mick Foley put them together. Um, yeah. Which people forget is um, I don't know if anyone's ever, I don't know if any crowds ever reacted to him that way. Like he looked like he was going to cry. Huge. Oh yeah. I would have, I mean, uh, but I feel like people just melted down when he came out. Yeah. Um, is this like kind of like the perfect signing for AEW right now? Like they, they desperately need him, don't they? Yeah, I think so. And the, the fact that there he is in the uh, Blackpool Combat Club, he is. I mean, he's effectively taking Brian Danielson's place for the time being. And I mean, dude, if there's a fit, that's that he's the fit right there. And he was Regal's guy. I mean, yep. Um, here's the one thing, and that everyone brought up. Eddie Kingston hates him, like legit yes. does not Le- like him. I mean, they they did something after the match. They, um, they there was no the tweet. Has- yeah, he doesn't have the balls to show up here, and then he <laughs> and retweeted. He, was, he retweeted guess, himself. <laughs> guess who's? Guess he grew his set. Yep. What I love about that is, and I don't know if Eddie Kingston really hates him or not. I mean, he probably does, but. Listen, I, I I share a lot of traits with Eddie Kingston, and uh, you know, if you don't like a guy, you don't like a guy. But that's a Brian Danielson move. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, Eddie Kingston doesn't like him. I'll well, bring him in. Fuck Eddie Kingston. <laughs> yeah, you know. And you know what this? What my hope here is? It's going to be the implosion. It could lead to an implosion of Blackpool Combat Club, where it's Mox and Eddie versus Claudio and Brian. Oof. Because <laughs> we are going to get Claudio and Kingston. We're oh, going to get, we'll get it. We're basing we'll this it. off of Chikara, which is wild. <laughs> like, I love every second of it. But that was great. I mean, we don't talk much about this match. It was great. I love to see Zach Sabre Jr. He's coming back. He's, he's going to play yes. Daniel Bryan he, Hansen. He, yeah, that, that's it. Yes, that, that's a match that has to happen because when they first start talking about that match, that was the match people were drooling yeah. over to and see Sabre and Danielson go at it. But you know, not, but hey, there's always another event. Uh, or you just let them go for an hour. Yeah, just done. Like yeah. literally it could just be an episode of Rampage, in my opinion. They I'll take it. I mean, they did it with Suzuki on YouTube. I mean, <laughs> yeah, why not? Ever. <laughs> Let's go into one of our two main events. Of course, this was the four way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, for those who don't know. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was the unification of the IWGP Intercontinental title and the IWGP Heavyweight title. Uh, a lot of people not happy about that. Uh, I honestly don't care. New Japan has way too many titles. <laughs> uh, of course, that was Switchblade Jay White with Gato uh, going against Hangman at a page, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole, baby. Now, here's a little caveat. Adam Cole got a concussion in this match, and that's why it ended weird. So, Yeah, yeah that was a bummer. I feel like this really, this match is another match that blew my expectations away mm-hmm. because yep. I'm just like, Oh, it's a four way. It'll be good. Right. And then it got great to the point where it, I couldn't believe that they were going this way and this hot and heavy and the crowd was still with them Yeah, for 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was not, it was the, the action had, it wasn't just a nonstop pace, but it was such a fluid pace. There was no awkward stops, no awkward switches or anything like that. So everything just, the match just gelled so well. Everything flowed the, the way a match should flow. And I felt like this was, <clears throat> this was like a prime example of a straight up New Japan match 
like how things just flowed in a certain direction. And the, you know, they had the alliances, they had the broken alliances, uh, exchange, you know, almost like exchanging dance partners, but it wasn't like, oh, hey, okay, you go here, you go here. Yes, I know Jay White and, uh, and Cole had to do their scheming for some time, but during the, the moments where, you know, people were just trading off, fighting off against each other. And the one moment, like I remember watching the match, I, th- I, I think it was, must've been close to like 12, 13 minutes in. I, I said to somebody, I said, wait a minute, Hangman and Okada has not, have not faced off yet. And then sure enough, they did not very long, oh my but God. that when, when that finally happened, because I don't think it, people realize like, yeah, they were doing a whole bunch of trades, but Hangman and Okada had not faced off until that point. <laughs> and I think, you know what else that moment did? And maybe this is just silly of me saying it further cemented hangman as the guy. Yeah. He, he's the, fra- he's the franchise of I'm I've been saying it for since, since the beginning, he's going to be like, everyone's calls. There's always one guy who's the franchise of a company. Hangman he, it, page is the franchise of a He's listen. No wrestler has gotten me to buy a shirt. The first time I see it on TV, <laughs> Adam page did. Um, I felt bad for Adam Cole. I felt like he was kind of yeah. fourth wheel in this one. Uh, and, and you could tell he's hurt. Yeah. But yeah. he, I, he, the fact he can get pinpoint guys with a super kick when they're upside down is still one of the That's, craziest things ever. Yeah. I need a healthy Adam Cole because mm-hmm. Adam Cole to me, a lot of, and by the way, everyone who gives Adam Cole shit for the way he looks, you're, you're an asshole. Uh, but so many people hate Adam Cole. I, to me, I still hold that he could be Ric Flair. Like, I, I think he's that good. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen just due to his age, uh, but I still think he's going to be a, he's still a top drawing guy in AEW. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. I'm not sure why there's been so much hate on Adam Cole recently. I mean, obviously there was the Booker T thing, but there was hate on Adam Cole before that. And I, don't le- I think it's because he left NXT. Yeah, that, that might be a that's lot. why of people, people hate Cody Rhodes. About that. Yeah, it's, you know, somebody leaves, they go, they go to greener pastures. But it's also that Cole's been successful in AEW. Yeah. He's been, he's, and that's the thing. Like, uh, no one else is complaining. Uh, you know, Brian Danielson, he's successful in AEW. No one's complaining about that. There's so many people who have made a jump to AEW, yet for some reason, Cole has been bearing the brunt of a lot of yeah. internet hate. And I, honestly, I, don't get it. I don't get why they're picking Cole. Is it because they're featuring him more often? Is it, and and look, we both know internet wrestling fans are very Awful. fickle. They're fickle. They're they're fickle. fickle. They're very fickle fans. And if there's one little thing they see and they want to drive that home, well, that okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna get the you know the pitchforks and and the torches and we're gonna go after. It. I don't get the body shaming either. That, that made no sense. I would, made I, would, no sense. I, would, I would trade physiques with Adam Cole any day of the week. I, 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 don't, I, also probably I don't get eat, it. I could probably eat more sugar if I did that too. So great. Um, yeah. But also, but overall, it was it was a great match. It was a great. Match. Seeing Okada in an AEW ring is also is fantastic. He is Just, so good at pro wrestling. He is like effortless. And I gotta say, I'll take a mea culpa on this one. I hated Jay White when he was Switchblade at first. I'm just like, yeah. this guy sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on they're, that. Right? They're yeah, definitely I, 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 shoving him down our throats. They gave him the title. I was totally, but then again, when I had MSG, I was totally invested in him losing to Okada. Mm-hmm. Lived and died with everything. By the yeah, way, yeah. Okada had the garden in his 
palm of his hand. He is he is big. Yeah. He is a big. They talk about big match John with John Cena. Okada is thinking of big matches, man. Oh yeah. But speaking of big matches, we had our main event: uh, John Moxley, Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. This was a letdown for me. I'm I'm with you. I feel like, and I think part of it was the vibe of the crowd. There was some drunk douchebags yeah, who some people who really killed the it. crowd out of it. And I think mm-hmm. Mox and Tanahashi had to do way too much work to get mm-hmm. them back into it. Next yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I hear I hear that. The, so the match, that's the thing. I, w- I wish it was reversed. I, w- I wish the four-way closed the show. Um, you can't because it's yeah, it's right. It's the, you know, it was the interim AEW championship. I mean, the match was good. Match it was good. good, but it's not, it couldn't go more than that. And I, I think we, we talked about this a, a bit online. The blade job by Moxley. I don't understand why, how, or what it was for. He, it he just felt it bloated. Just, and he did lose, he yeah. just needed to you know, lose some weight. I, yeah, I guess it just it just seemed unnecessary. And I know, yes, when you when you when you do the blade job, it's supposed to add to the drama. It's supposed to add something. It it didn't fit for me. It just it didn't work for me. And I think that's part of the reason why I felt the match did 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 it live up to my expectation. I will say it just made it because. Look, seeing Mox versus Tanahashi, that was, I again, good match. I wanted to see that, but I don't think that main event spot was right for it. I do, um, but my expectation level was probably unattainable. It was probably like a fourteen <laughs> out of ten. It really was, and it probably hit a nine for me. Mm-hmm. So that, it did disappoint because I, I put unrealistic expectations on this match. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tanahashi, here's the thing. Let's talk about this. Did you think for a second that Tanahashi was going to win? Because that crowd wanted Tanahashi to win. That yeah, match. real I, bad. I yes, I honestly I wanted Tanahashi. I was with that crowd. I wanted Tanahashi to win. I I know it's yes, it's Mox. We you know get the belt back on him. Can have the feuds. But man, could you could I want think for a second? Think about that live crowd. If Tanahashi pinned Mox, I think there would have been, it would have been real divisive. I think they would have loved it, but then they would have been like, oh man, but Mox is still our guy. And everything he's been through, he deserves that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, not only does take the personal stuff aside, when he says, I'm the ace, we talk about Hangman's the franchise, right? Mm hmm. Mox is the ace because Mox doesn't miss in his matches because they tried doing putting that on Cody. And then Cody started doing the, he started going along with like Peter Avalon. Yeah. Oakland's Peter Avalon. I love Peter Avalon. <laughs> PP Ray all day, dude. Uh, and then he started going along with Kip and he started, he started just like manufacturing long matches with people that instead of doing a tight 10, he would go 18. And you're like, yeah. A tight 10 it's, it's, would have been great. Right. I feel like when Moxley hits the ring, it's a difference maker. He doesn't miss. He has, in three years he's been with AEW, I can't think of a match, and I'm sure there's one. Okay, maybe the Hager empty arena one didn't live up to standards. I'm not putting that mm-hmm. on John Moxley. One out of every, one out of, let's say, he's had 50 matches in AEW has not been a killer match. This is a pretty damn good record. 
So yeah. to me, he's the ace of AEW, and he deserves to. And he's the guy who's who I think is willing to be the workhorse and carry that company. That's why I think he deserves the title more, more than just you know he's earned it by you know cleaning himself up and doing the right thing. Right. Not for sure. But now, here's the thing: Tanahashi by not winning, and this is probably stupid logic. By him not winning, he's even more special. Because he's gone now. We're not going to see the ace right. anymore. Oh, he's gone. And then imagine he's just the mystery partner of someone one day. The place they just comes apoplectic because they'll know, look how good he was. With his, right. his neck made of paper mache and his knee made of a wish. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's barely <laughs> held together. He's held together with literal stardust. And it's just like, no, no, it's not a pun intended for Cody. It's just like he, he's, he's held together with a wish. And he still captivates me. Yeah. He's just, you just want a Tony Khan hug the guy. Yes, you do. You do. You just, by the way, do. everyone just shitting on Tony Khan for hugging someone, <laughs> like meaning it. Think about what that dude, I know I'm going to sound like a real mark here, but like Tony, think about what that dude's been through over the, since Double or Nothing. MJF. Yep. That'll drive that, that we that, don't even that. know what's happening there. You would still want to answer questions. Losing half your roster and then everything that's come along with it. It's just barely getting this show off the ground. Yeah, I'm going to hug everyone too. And I'm being yeah. too because Claudio did save a big chunk of the show. Oh, yeah. Like, and also Tony Khan's a hugger and it's not always a smooth transition. Listen, eh. I do that too. I'm yeah, I, th- I think we've all been there. It's just, you know, this, some of us are drunk when they do it. Yeah. And some of us are just way too happy. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm happy to see most people. Yeah, uh, but listen, Tony Khan, if you want to hug me after signing me to a contract, mm-hmm. you can do that. I'm all I'm all for it. Yeah. So, Mike, on the uh, on the overalls at scale of one to ten, what are you rating Forbidden Door? I'm I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I have to. I I because the thing is, from top to bottom, every match. Whether I whether I like the outcome or didn't like the outcome, I enjoyed every moment of that pay-per-view. It was keeping it simple, it was fun. It um it was better than double or nothing. For sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It I don't think it was better than full gear. That was a very good pay-per-view. Mm. Although maybe it's up there. I don't think it tops mm. all out. Uh, 2021, because that's like an all-timer. And I don't think it... Uh, um, I'm sorry, Revolution 2022. Mm. That's I, I think it's up there with that, but I don't think it beats full gear because you got the Hangman Bay off there. Nothing's beating mm. that. Yeah. Um, but this was great. This was... I feel like of most many of the AEW pay-per-views, they're great as a whole. I can go back... I want to go back to singular matches here. Like, I want to go back to Orange, or I want to go back to the opener, or I want to go back to the batshit crazy sting match. You know what I mean? Like, I want to do that. Like, I feel like that's something I could pick and choose matches. Like, I can go back to that match anytime I want because I loved it. So, I think it's, I think that speaks volumes to a pay per view. And uh, before we go, you know, the president of New Japan said, Hey, I want to do Forbidden Door 2 in Japan. Oh, that's gonna be great. What's one thing 
that you could think of that you want to see at a Forbidden Door 2 in Japan. Now, let's just speculate here. The New Japan's 50th anniversary year. They're still in that. They're going to say, you know, they're doing multi-day uh, Wrestle Kingdoms. So say this is happening in January. Say this is when Forbidden Door 2 happens. Makes the most sense. What's a match that you want to see or something you want to see on that show? Mm. That would just be like an ultimate match or ultimate moment. Oof, man. You know, there's something I want to see, but I don't know if it's going to happen at this point unless cooler heads prevail. But man, would I love to see Kota Ibushi. I'd love to see it. Put him, you know what? It just because you know I'm a mark for him. Give me Kota Ibushi versus Eddie Kingston. Give it to me. I mean, that would be a good match. It's not the match I'm picking, though. It is no. Kota, Ibushi, right. Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Yep. And I, I mean, you guys, you guys see it. You guys see it. Yeah. And, um, because I think I'm hoping Kenny Omega's back by January. All right. And I'm hoping Kota Ibushi, you know, can. Well, he's still off. in Japan. He's, he's still, still there. He's, you know, he is suspended. I think he took a suspension and a fine, mm-hmm. but also the president of New Japan took a fine too, as well. So I, I have to commend them for doing that. Some of the yeah. brass got fined, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Conduct. So it's like, okay, that's good stuff, you know. But I think that's the moment everyone who's, uh, you know, to see Coda and Kenny in some form together, whether it's against each other as a team, I think that would be the ultimate. That really, really would. And yeah, you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna beat that. I don't think any other match you could think of, whether it's Punk or Brian or whatever, nothing's beaten that. So. Mike, thank you for joining me this week uh, or this, you know, infrequent time we talk. What, where can people find you on social media and what you got going on? Uh, Social media, um, Twitter, still there, still on eBay at Omega Collectibles. And occasionally I peruse Facebook once in a while. Yep. As for me, I'm at Bodkin Writes. Uh, check me at W-R-I-T-E-S. Uh, right now in the hopper, I have, um, or in the queue, I should say, you'll be seeing, uh, this will be released on a Wednesday, so you'll see a Miss Marvel <coughs> Episode 3 review, which I will finish writing after this podcast. I'll have a Stranger Things column coming up as well. I have a review of an, uh, a, surfing, a surf movie about the history of surfing in Ireland coming up. Uh, I also just dropped... Um, two uh, episodes for bill versus the mcu which is my po- uh, marvel podcast where i actually finished the mcu just did um black panther and thor ragnarok one episode and the second part of that episode is infinity war and ant-man of the wasp of course i am the co-host of the socially distanced podcast which drops every single friday on all your streaming favorite streaming platforms uh this week we have an interview with jukebox the ghost uh is uh tommy siegel uh then we're going to be going into stranger things thor ragnarok we'll also be talking about the sandman we'll be talking about uh she hulk attorney at law and or house of the dragon all that great stuff we got football uh hopefully doing the new um jordan peele movie nope so there's a lot coming up of course miss marvel as well and uh i'm also the co-host of tv break uh which is a monthly tv podcast be dropping that next week on the pop break tv feed uh, we'll be reviewing the new Maya Rudolph Apple TV Plus 
show loot. Of course, I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. We've been doing this for 13 years. Mike has been there with me for at least 10 of them, if not longer. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we are on uh, the web at thepopbreak.com, talking about movies, TV, music, all that sort of great stuff. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at The Pop Break. So for Michael Dorcas, this is Bill Bodkin saying thank you for joining us for this very infrequent episode of This Wrestling Life podcast. <laughs>